Hey guys. Hi guys. Welcome back to Significant Lovers. We are Kel and Mel. Mm-hmm. Two cousins. Mel and Kel, we're cousins. <laughs> I'm Kel. And I'm Mel. You guys, this is our first episode of season two. Which season two? I guess it's a new school year. <laughs> yeah, it's September. Yeah, yeah. This will be out in September. Uh-huh. And second year of Significant Lovers University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's our fiftieth episode. Yeah, I can't believe it. That's a lot. A lot of hours. It is a lot. Although my sister said we shouldn't count the bonus episodes. Who? She said that. Yeah. Which one, Caitlin? Shannon. Oh, why? <laughs> so if you don't count them, it's 25. But you know what? No, because we put in work into every single one, so it's 50 episodes. The bonus ones are, for the most part, just as much work. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are. She's just not a subscriber, so. Mm, okay. But yeah, this is our 50th episode. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, Mel, mm-hmm. I told you I wanted to do this. Since this is a celebratory episode, I was thinking at the end of the episode, we could read through the rejected ideas we had for our podcast name. Yes, I love that. Because it will be a laugh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of silly ideas. It took us a while to come up with the name. (laughs) If you can believe it. it. It was one of the hardest things about launching this podcast was just deciding the name mm-hmm. we were really close to some other ones really close <laughs> now it seemed kind of stupid but kel who but are we covering today oh yes yes so first first start of season two it just so happens to be my turn because mel went last time and so today we are covering paul and linda mccartney Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney couple. from the Beatles and Linda she was a photographer and was in wings with him and this is our second Beatles member to be covered on Significant Lovers we also covered John Lennon and Yoko Ono back last year if you want to listen yep. to that episode I think that was episode three right yeah yeah so John will come up John and Yoko will come up in this episode but if you want more of them scroll back it's a free episode i am a huge beatles fan as you guys know and i've wanted to do paul and linda for a long time but i kept putting it off because it was just so special to me and i just felt like i needed to wait for the right moment mm-hmm. and this felt like the right moment i was just i i didn't know if i should say this but like sometimes yeah. on our show like weird coincidences align with the release of our episode so i'm like what like paul mccartney thing could happen like when this comes out Mm. you know it's always coincidental like we're never like purposely lining them up with things but somehow people end up in the news every single time we're having an episode coming out on them i mean i hope he doesn't like die or something when this episode comes out oh that would be awful i mean there is stuff going on with him music wise he's insane he he, like, went on this crazy tour, what, like, last year and performed for, yeah. like, three hours? Like, doesn't even yeah. take a 
drink of water and has like all that stamina at what like 80 years old he's 81 but yeah he was 80 last year yeah he is so productive so energetic he yeah never stops it's crazy so yeah i i've been really into the Beatles for years increasingly as time goes on like I feel like when I first got into them in like middle school I was kind of a fake fan I didn't really know that much about Mm -hmm. them but I've been getting more into it and I recent in recent years Paul has become my favorite Beatle and I really fell in love with him and Linda's story so I'm a little intimidated to share it today but I'm excited to. What three words would you use to describe this couple? I would say committed. Oh. I'd say natural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're very in t- in, uh, in many ways, but they're also very into nature. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what kind of, like, what in what you said yeah. you were using the word. Yeah. I would, I would say kind of both, though. Like, I feel like it's a natural, you know, just. Natural thing. chemistry. Yeah, natural chemistry, Not but also forced, they're very yeah. into into nature. And then I'd also say family. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so I'm, I was saying this to Mel before we started recording, but the end of this episode will be quite sad. And there will be sad moments throughout this episode. Yeah. But you know what? I'm on the phone with my cousin and best friend Mel, and I want to have a good time. And we're still going to have a good time. There might be some giggling. It's going to be back and forth between happy, sad, and I hope that's okay with you guys. That's the dichotomy of life. (laughs) That's reality. I mean, yes, it is sad, like, the way in which it ends, but everybody dies, and um, Mm -hmm. it's just, that's life, you know? Everybody dies. Everyone everyone listening to this is going to die. I mean, if you're in a relationship, either the person's going to die or you're going to break up. It's going to end in a sad way regardless. So you just have Mm -hmm. to kind of enjoy and have fun in the middle of it, you know? Yes, while you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, my sources for this episode, in case anyone's interested, I used a lot of the Paul McCartney Project website, which is great. They have a ton of information on there. It's crazy. I also used the Paul McCartney The Lyrics book, which was a gift to me from Mel and my sister Shannon. Oh, yeah, I forgot about and, that. Yeah, I use that a lot. Um, I also use the book The Beatles by Hunter Davies and the Linda McCartney website and some other sources that I'll mention later. All right, Paul McCartney. Can't believe I just said that name. <laughs> <laughs> Paul was born James Paul McCartney. Oh. Surprise. I know, that always happens. On June 18th, 1942, in Liverpool, England. As many people know, all of the Beatles were from Liverpool. His mother was Mary, his father Jim. Mary was a nurse in a maternity ward, and Jim was a cotton salesman. And his parents were a little older when they had him. His mom was 32, his dad 39. I only mention that because I feel like people act like in back then everyone got married and had kids when they were like 18. Yeah. And- you know, it's not not necessarily true. No, on my dad, my dad's grandfather or my dad's father. I did the mm-hmm. genealogy. Everyone on that side of the family had kids at like forty. Wow! Mm-hmm. Like for the first time. Inspiring. Yeah. Yep. Not too late. <laughs> no. Oh no. Paul also had a younger brother, Michael. Michael McCartney. 
Um, Paul was a smart kid. He was a good student, but he was sort of a bad boy, too. He Mm. would steal things and draw naked pictures in class. And he apparently had a chubby face in his early teens. Oh, that's cute. I know. And very sadly, Paul was only 14 years old when his mother, Mary, died from breast cancer. Um. And that's something that he would have in common later with John Lennon, because John lost his mom at a young age, too. And I think losing his mom really affected Paul. I feel like you can see it throughout music, throughout his whole life. I feel like he never quite got over it. Yeah. That's really (sighs) young. I know. So his dad had to take over, like, all household duties, taking care of the boys. And his dad, Jim, was also sort of the one that introduced Paul to music. He played in a ragtime band. Um, As a kid, Paul played a little piano and trumpet, but then at age 14, he got guitar, so he started playing guitar. And as a teenager, Paul started dressing like a teddy boy, which was (laughs) sort of a subculture in Britain at the time where guys were into rock and roll. They would dress sort of like dandies of the Edwardian period. They'd wear tight pants with styled hair. I'd kind of compare it to, like, a greaser, but, like, a little more fancy. Yeah. (laughs) So I started dressing like that and being, getting really into rock and roll. Um, Apparently, he lost his his virginity at age 15. Yeah, it's kind of young. Yeah, it's pretty young. Oh, my God. Imagine it be the person that, like, took his virginity. I know. Wow. Apparently, it was an older girl. Oh, I feel like it always is for some reason with these celebrities. (laughs) Um, now just for some really very, very, very basic Beatles history. I can't remember if I said this in the John Lennon episode, but when he was a teenager, he befriended John Lennon. They formed the band The Quarrymen with this guy, Pete Shodden, who played the washboard. Okay. Mm, Um. Underrated. Apparently John broke the washboard over his head. (gasps) And that was the end of Pete being in The Quarrymen. Oh my God, John. Relax. Yeah, John. I know. So then George Harrison later joined the Quarrymen. Mm-hmm. He was younger than them. And then they briefly changed their name to the Moon Dogs. And then this guy, Stu Sutcliffe, joined the band as a bass player, but he left to pursue art. So he left the band. And then there was another long forgotten Beatle. Pete Best was their drummer mm. until they kicked him out and replaced him with Ringo. Okay. And then, and when that happened, they were already going by the name The Beatles. Mm-hmm. So that's just a very basic history of The Beatles. So there was like a couple guys that were in the band and then didn't make it to the final <laughs> lineup, which um, I feel like that would be really hard to deal with. I know, especially as their popularity is rising. You're like, I was in this. Like, yeah, no. I mean, they became, they're the most famous band in the world. Mm-hmm, like, imagine yeah. you, you used to be in them. Like, that's crazy. No one even remembers you or cares, yeah. Yeah. That guy, Pete, the drummer, said that people would, like, not stop bringing that up to him. And he just worked, like, a regular job, so it seems hard. But anyway, Paul's first serious girlfriend was Dorothy Dot Roan. Dot was her nickname. Um, They started dating in 1959. Apparently, Dot actually became pregnant. (gasps) But had a miscarriage. Oh, that's sad. And they were engaged, but then they broke up in 1962. Wow. When Paul was only 20 years old. Wow, that's yeah. really young. Yeah. He's, he guess he wasn't ready to be married. 
Yeah. A few months after their breakup, that's when they achieved worldwide fame. Mm. You know, became Beatlemania, all of that. Paul, they did a few other girls. I think he was a bit promiscuous during those early Beatles days. Um, Post-Beatles success, he dated the British actress and redhead Jane Asher, and they were together for about four years. It was a very serious relationship. He actually lived in her family's house for three years. Oh, wow. It's quite serious. Even when he was, he was like already successful at that point? Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. I know. I don't know why he lived in her house, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really. Need well, to. she was, she was wealthy though. Like she lived in a really nice area of London. So oh, okay, so it wasn't like they yeah. were on top of each other. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. no. I think it was very posh, mm. and it would have been very different from his life in Liverpool too. But if I would describe Paul's character, I would say that he's very charismatic, friendly, creative. Very hardworking, family-oriented, sentimental, Mm -hmm. and a bit of a control freak. Mm. I feel like that's the main flaw that comes up when you hear about him. Okay, so then on to Linda. Who is Linda? I don't know much about her. Who is this Linda? I know. I mean, it's like, wow. I mean, he was in the Beatles. He was kind of called the cute Beatle. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. was in love with him. Who is this girl that he ended up with? She was born September 24th, 1941 in Scarsdale, New York. Just gotta say that's the same day, same birthday as my dad. So, hi dad. You know what, this is so dumb of me. I didn't even realize that she was American. It's not dumb. It's not dumb of you, Mel. I mean, you wouldn't know unless you heard her speaking voice, you know? And I haven't. (laughs) So she's from New York. She had an older brother, John, and two younger sisters, Laura and Louise. Her family was Jewish. Her dad was sort of a self-made man. He became a very successful entertainment lawyer. After high school, she enrolled at Vermont College and got an Associate of Arts. Then she attended Sarah Lawrence College, only briefly, and then she later went to University of Arizona to study art history. So she's into the arts. She's said to be like a very free-spirited, not too bookish, not too into school type of girl. Um artsy yeah Mm -hmm. very into music too when she was in arizona uh, another sad thing her mother was tragically killed in a 1962 plane crash of american airlines plane in scarsdale new york a commercial airplane yeah oh my god i know i didn't even like this might be naive of me but like i didn't know that those crashed that like frequently i don't i mean i know oh they obviously don't crash that frequently but like the idea that like a celebrity like their parent had died in a commercial airplane that's crazy i know i sadly i mean that's not even that far away i mean i'd never heard of this plane crash so oh my god really sad so she ended up leaving university without graduating yeah um because I think it was a really tough time for her and she married a man named joseph melville c jr A.K.A. Mel. Oh. <laughs> yep. That's a sexy name. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, yeah, she was married to this guy named Mel, and they had a daughter together named Heather, born in 1962. So that was a very crazy year for her, I think. I mean, losing her mom and then having a kid. Um, her relationship with Mel became really distant, though, and it wasn't going very well. 
they weren't very compatible and he was really into his work and was very studious and serious mm. and they started drifting apart. She started taking photography classes and shooting, shooting photos just for fun. And then in 1965, she decided she couldn't take it anymore and she took Heather and they moved back to New York City and she worked as an editorial assistant at Town and Country Magazine. Mm. And while she was working at Town and Country Magazine, the you know she was getting all these invitations to the desk that she had to go through, um, and there was an event that the magazine was invited to that was the band Rolling Stones was going to be on a boat, and so it was like this boat party, and she just kind of snuck the invitation into her purse and didn't tell her editor or anything about it, and she just went by herself with her camera. And she pretended to be one of the photographers and she got on the boat and she took pictures of all the rock stars and people liked the pictures and asked for them to put in their publications. And that was kind of the start of her being a rock photographer. Wow, that's ballsy of her. And she was really just an <laughs> editorial assistant. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really ballsy. It's really ballsy. Great idea, though. I know. Just take it for yourself. Yeah, that's what you got to do in this world. It's a doggy dog world. Yep. You know, I actually, because I used to intern at Boston Common Magazine, Mm -hmm. this magazine in Boston, and I still get invitations all the time, like free tickets to plays and stuff. You do? Because, yeah, because they think I'm just part of the press, but I feel kind of bad because I'm not actually like affiliated with the magazine anymore so Mm -hmm. i don't know if anyone would like catch me but i still do get these invites all the time like they're just flying left and right so i can see how she just really took that and was like yeah oh my gosh yeah you probably should take advantage of it (laughs) it's weird though like i don't work there anymore and i don't even know how they got my personal email it's so weird that's so wait they're just giving you free tickets to stuff yeah they're like (gasps) press event invite this play it's it's usually plays that's yeah. so cool but you know i was living away and i yeah i know i probably should go <laughs> honestly do it so yeah she's people liked her pictures and she ended up starting to shoot photos she quit her um editorial assistant job and she started shooting pictures of rock stars basically she was kind of one of the first like young rock photographers mm-hmm. and apparently allegedly she had some relationships with some rock stars who including mick jagger oh my god Jimi hendrix everybody has yep remember jim Carly morrison Simon? yeah jim morrison and warren Beatty. yeah oh my god <laughs> i know wait who's the second person you said uh jimmy hendrix oh my gosh that's Crazy. iconic that's iconic of her I know. <laughs> like six, how many, like five icons. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. She must have known Carly Simon. Probably. Wow, she must yeah. She must have been really hot. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to this podcast about her actually, and the girl hosting it said that back then, like, you know, rock and roll was still pretty new, and they were still using these, like, old stuffy men to take pictures of people like Mick Jagger, you know, and she was... This young, really chill girl. Yeah. She was it was really different. People really liked her. They felt more comfortable with her. She was just having a good time and they would really like open up to her and she got really awesome pictures of them. So but yeah, I think there's just there's something about Linda. She was just a very chill girl. 
1967, she was voted the U.S. Female Photographer of the Year for her work shooting pictures of Jimi Hendrix. Um, she's shot for many magazines, Rolling Stone many times. She's had a very prolific photography career. And if I had to describe her personality, I would say that she is, as I said, chill, grounded, <laughs> kind of hippie, mm-hmm. calm, friendly, but also hardworking. Okay, so how did they meet? May 15th, 1967. Oh, Paul and Linda met, yep, Paul and Linda met for the very first time at the Bag O'Neill's Music Club in London. Linda was there on assignment to take pictures of musicians, and it was a Georgie Fame concert that night. And I actually have a clip I sent you, Mel. She was on the Vicky show in 1992. So this is, you know, in the future, but she's talking about meeting Paul. You know, it was quite crazy. Yeah? Yeah. So, was it like instant sparks when you and Paul, did your eyes meet Actually, across the crowd? Actually, funnily enough, I met Paul a few nights before at a club. So I had, I actually didn't meet him at this photo session. Yeah? I went to, I, have, I photographed a group called The Animals a lot in New York. So when I came to England, they said, well, look, we'll take you out. So I went down to see somebody named Georgie Fame. Do you know him in the Blue Flames? Really sitting in the park and a few other songs. Come on, Vicky, you must No, know. I don't remember. Anyway, we went down to a club. He was very so good, very good, very good guy. Anyway, and we, I went down with the animals and we were listening. The music was great. And in walks Paul and some other friends. And he sat at a table. We were sitting here by the band and there was somebody else. And, then the, and our eyes sort of met and, you know, it was that kind of thing. There were sparks? There were definite sparks. So what happened? What happened? So when the band finished, we all got up to leave, and sort of they got up to leave, and everybody started talking, and he, he and I started talking. And he said, well, we're going on to another club now. Do you want to come? I went, why not? So that's how we met. Yeah. At a club. Well, but then he picked what? me up, literally. Yeah, so he picked <laughs> you up, and, and then what? Um, we I mean, went, how, you know, you're visiting Europe now, so, but you live in America. You didn't up in No, Europe, no, so. so then I... I, um, we went to this club. We heard Whiter Shade of Pale. You know, I that remember one. that for the yeah. first time. And everybody said, Who is this? What is this? And then I went back to New York, kept taking pictures. And it just, I guess it was months. And then um, I was over taking pictures of Jimi Hendrix one evening, came back, and I happened to have one of those great New York answer phones where it's not, they have machines now, tapes, but then people used to take your calls for you. And, and it was yes. great. And then you'd ring in and they'd say, well, Linda, so-and-so called and so-and-so called. And we got quite friendly. Well, Paul McCartney rang while you were out. And I went, oh. anyway. I bet the answering service had a heart attack. Like oh, yeah, yeah Paul like McCartney, that. yeah, right. I said, oh, sure, sure, I'll tell her you called. <laughs> this is Winston Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah. we had a little laugh about that. Uh-huh. Anyway, it turns out he had come here to L.A. And he, you know, wanted to say hi while he was in New York. So we met up again. And then he went back to England. I stayed here. And then we met again after that. We kept meeting at places. And then one day he rang up and he said, why don't you come to England? <gasps> so that's that how, well, like, actually, that I'm not so sure serious. I want to come to England. I have a daughter I'm about to put in school. And, you know, I wasn't so sure. So I debated it for a while. And then I went. Five or ten minutes and said, okay. No. Oh my gosh, I love this interviewer. The way she, her like <laughs> jaw keeps opening up. Wow, so she's Vicky, mo- I know. Yeah, she just moved to England? Yeah, pretty much. But I'm gonna there's a little more to the story, mm. so I'm gonna backtrack for a second. But 
Yeah, I also thought it was funny because it sounds like she kind of picked up an accent. Yeah, I was gonna say him. that she sounds British. She speaks in a very. She's not. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So they met. Or she said they met at the club, um, and then they met again four days later at the Sgt. Pepper's album launch party, and she was taking pictures there. But then she returned to New York. So the thing is, Paul liked her, but he was actually still with Jane Asher at this time. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Poor and you Jane. know, she I'm I know. Uh so Linda, you know, she went back. I don't know if they kept in touch or whatever, but him and Jane actually became engaged December nineteen sixty seven. Yeah. Why is he proposing if he's like chasing somebody else? I don't know. I don't know if like he just saw Linda twice mm-hmm. and was just like, Hi like I don't I don't really think anything happened. Yeah. But this just kind of happens in between the story she just told. Oh, wow. That's a huge detail. I know. <laughs> huge detail. <laughs> she made it really sound yes. simple. I know. It was <laughs> not that simple. Um, Paul and Jane were engaged, and Jane even went to India with him and the rest of the Beatles. Oh, my God. But then, as she said, Paul and Linda met again in New York when John and Paul were there. They were forming Apple Corporation. But summer 1968, Jane ended their engagement because Paul was having an affair, but it wasn't with Linda. I don't know. I know. It was with scriptwriter Franny Schwartz. Um, Franny later wrote a book and claimed that Paul and Jane were no longer together when she was with Paul, but who's to say? Either way, he... Either he cheated or moved on really quickly. I don't mm-hmm. know. But him and Jane ended up getting back together, but then they broke up a final time. So yeah. there was just some mess going on. It's upsetting, you know? I love Paul. Um, <laughs> it's hard when you research people you love. And <laughs> but you know what? Like, find stuff like that. Like, we've talked about this. I mean, it seems like all men in that position, like, cheating is just so normal. Those for, rock stars. For rock, it's just rock and roll, and it's unfortunate. In the sixties, yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's honestly what I would expect. I know it's sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he it's no excuse, but he is in his early twenties, so yeah. I think he I think he learned better later, but yeah, very upsetting. So then the Beatles were working on their self-titled album, the one commonly known as the White Album. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of tension. Ringo actually quit for two weeks. John called Paul's song, Obladi Oblada, Granny Music Shit. Oh. So there was a lot of fighting going on. Meanwhile, so Paul and Linda are still not together yet, but meanwhile she was doing great with her photography. She was actually the first woman to have her photograph on the cover of Rolling Stone, and it was a picture of Eric Clapton. Oh. Yeah. So then, as she said, September 1968, after all that drama with Jane and Franny and all that, Paul called Linda, seemingly out of the blue, I don't know, and asked her to come to London. Just move there? And then she... Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> and she did. She did. And it seems like they were together pretty much immediately. Oh, my God. I know. I don't know. I mean, it's it is Paul McCartney. Like, 
what would I do if like Robert Pattinson called me up and said, come move to London? Like, oh, would I? You would do it. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you know what? I would. <laughs> and I would encourage you to. <laughs> I'd just quit my, my job. I'd up- I would do it tomorrow. Yeah. I would do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It's Paul McCartney. So in the lyrics book, the one that you gave me, so this is in his older age, but Paul wrote kind of about this time. He wrote, Jane, Asher, and I were together for around five years, so at the back of my mind, I expected to marry her, but as Mm. the time got closer, I think I also realized it wasn't right. You can't ever put your finger on it, but when Linda came along shortly after Jane and I broke up, I just thought, oh, I don't know, maybe this is more right. And then when Linda and I got to know each other, I felt, this is more me. I'm more her. He did say also that Jane was a wonderful woman, but that parts of the jigsaw just weren't working. Yeah. And then he also said, in the same book, he said, Just as the Beatles were beginning to fragment, Linda Eastman came into my life. Not only my wife, but also my muse. No one was more influential on my writing and composing at that time. Just the fact that she got it, that she understood what I was trying to do, was very comforting. At that time, I really needed someone like that because the Beatles had just broken up. So some people kind of... I mean, I know it's from the outside and people are getting all excited as Beatles fans and stuff, but a lot of people think that Linda was kind of like Paul's new John in a way. Yeah. That she inspired him a lot. And and it was kind of crazy for him because the Beatles are still together technically at this point. And for him to say that she's inspiring him the most, you know, John isn't, I guess, anymore. So. But... Am I wrong? Like, is it inspiring in a different way? Like, he's writing songs, like, inspired probably. by her? Is that what it means? That's probably true. Whereas yeah. John would be inspiring him, like, just, like, in a musical way. Yeah. That's true. I know. I feel like people are just like, oh. Like, it's almost as if Paul and John were together. Like, people act like... I know. Like, they kind of do act like that. Yeah. They do act like they were together. Because they, they act they like ever when he up? got with Yoke... I don't know. Some people speculate, actually. What? Really? <laughs> they do. They do, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's um, like Larry, but with the Beatles. It is like Larry. Pond. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but... <laughs> yeah. Because people act like that, too. Like, oh, once John got with Yoko, you know. Yeah. It ruined him and Paul's relationship. Yeah. I, I bet there's fan fiction. Significant friends, someday. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he also said that Linda was the one who held on to all the scraps of paper with the lyrics and everything, mm-hmm. and that actually ended up basically creating that book that you gave me, Mel, like, with the lyrics, because she had, all her collections led to that book, in a oh, way, like, sweet. just the scans and everything. Yeah, so it's nice. This is kind of a random, it's not that random, but it's just an insight into their relationship. So... The guy that wrote the Beatles book, it's called, it's just called The Beatles, so (laughs) that's why I call it that, but um, Hunter Davies, he lived in Portugal, and Paul and Linda and her daughter Heather came to visit him and his wife, December 1968, and Hunter Davies kind of just wrote about this trip in the book, and it's interesting. So, this would have been about three months into Paul and Linda's relationship, and this is what he said about Paul into visiting. He said, My wife and I, though, were rather confused by this American girl called Linda. We had never heard of her. 
When we left England, Jane Asher was the girl in Paul's life, and we had gotten very well with her. With her. Was this Linda a one-night stand, or was his relationship with Jane Asher finished? Mm. Linda was naturally rather wary of us. I suppose she... I suppose she realized we had been friendly with Jane and would perhaps be critical of her. She also wanted to get Paul to herself, as it was the first stages of their romance, while Paul was keen for long, late-night talks and philosophical discussions. It seemed to us at first that Linda was very much a yes girl who was overdoing her adoration for Paul, clinging to him all the time, hanging on his every word. We couldn't see it lasting. We couldn't see what she was giving Paul. At times, during the ten days or so she they stayed with us, there were some frosty moments. Oh. We did in the end, I know, we did in the end get to know and understand Linda better. I was, of course, completely wrong. Linda proved to be much more relaxed and friendly on our subsequent meetings, and her marriage to Paul had been a great success. Linda has given Paul the moral support he always needed. John had, of course, been critical during his relationship with Paul, often very cruel. Jane Asher had very much been her own woman with her own career. Linda has been prepared to devote all her energies and emotions to Paul and their family, and if necessary, to his work, if that was what he felt he needed. Oh, yeah. So Hunter Davies was a journalist, and he had spent a lot of time with the Beatles just basically being there and writing down stuff they're doing and interviewing them. And I guess Paul liked him, which is interesting. Like, you'd think that you wouldn't have... I don't know, that kind of relationship with someone writing a biography about you, but... Yeah, but I mean, I guess you, yeah. in a way, you, like, you would want to be friendly with them because, you yeah. know, you want them to paint you in a good light, so... That's true. Apparently, it was during this visit to Portugal that Paul and Linda discovered that Linda was pregnant. Oh. And Paul proposed to Linda. Wow. Congratulations. I know. <laughs> It's crazy, though, because this is only, like, a 10-day trip. Like, how did all of this happen? Wait, yeah, and they're only three months <laughs> into their relationship, too, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty early. Don't you feel like stuff like this just happens in these couples we cover from, like, the 60s, 70s, I know. Honestly, 50s. all celebrities, it's like... <laughs> yeah. True. If one of my friends was only dating somebody for three months and then suddenly, like, they're pregnant and, like, engaged, like, I would be, like, like, wait a minute, hold a sec, like, hold the phone, like, what? I know, I know. Like, I would be a little, like, kind of weirded out and, like, a little nervous, but... I know. It's, like, no big deal, and, like, it works out. (laughs) It did, it did work out. According to Paul, in the book Many Years From Now by Barry Miles, he said... As our relationship solidified and we really started to feel very confident with each other, it was a question of, well, shall I get off the pill then? And we talked about that, and I said, yeah, I don't know why. It wasn't like planning a family, it was more like, if you like, we could see what happened. If anything happened, then it would be alright. Then Mary was on the way, and it was definitely not planned, and we decided round about that point to get married. Wait, like three months (laughs) in, she was like, should I get off the pill? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Wow, that's really serious. But if I was Jane Asher, though, I would feel like really I know. like I mean, I don't know how she felt about the breakup, but like, wow, he moved on really quickly. Yeah, that would be upsetting. Yeah. Luckily for them, I mean, he was famous, so you would still see his pictures. But I was gonna say there was no Instagram back then. Yeah, exactly. No, but yeah. she probably still did see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's different. That is tough. I mean, I don't know. I, you hear about it 
with people's grandparents and stuff like we met and we got married two weeks later i know (laughs) (laughs) so i guess it happens sometimes okay so yeah they're engaged linda's pregnant um january 1969 this is when they were recording let it be in abbey road and it was being filmed for the documentary by michael lindsey hogg and that's all the footage that just came out recently mm-hmm. like it was never all this footage was never released until was that like last year or two years ago um uh, yeah i think so the get back documentary it was a very bad time for the beatles they were really breaking down. Yeah. George quit the band for five days, and if you watch the footage, you can see that there's, like, a lot of tension, and they're, yeah. they're talking about each other, and, yeah. And then, be- besides the music, there was all this tension because the band members were trying to appoint a new financial inv- advisor, and John, George, and Ringo wanted to work with Alan Klein, who had managed the Rolling Stones, um, but Paul wanted, but Paul really hated this Alan Klein guy, mm-hmm. and he wanted Lee and John Eastman, which were Linda's father and brother, to manage their business affairs instead. Um, but the other guys didn't want the Eastmans to, you know, be their managers, so they couldn't agree. So they temporarily appointed both of them. Klein is the Beatles' business manager and the Eastmans is their lawyers. But then there were more disagreements and there were financial opportunities apparently lost. And then Klein was named the sole manager of the band. And Paul refused to sign the management contract with Klein, but he was outvoted. So it was just like a lot of drama about that. Why did he care so much? Like, did he just really want. What, what, it was her dad he wanted to be the manager? Yeah. See, that does kind of I, seem like letting personal matters get in the way of business a little bit. It does. It does. I didn't admittedly look this up this time, but I think this came up last time, the John Lennon one, and that was a year ago. But if I remember, I think he had heard from Mick Jagger or something that Alan Klein like shouldn't be trusted or something. So I think he didn't like that guy. But yeah. also, I definitely think he was influence to have his future in-laws be involved so yeah yeah no one agreed with him so (laughs) that definitely contributed to the breakup too Mm -hmm. and then march 12th 1969 only six months after he first phoned linda to come to london they were married at a small civil ceremony at marlebone town hall in london and Linda has actually said that the night before the wedding, she almost called it off. She said, <gasps> seems like she was kind of freaking out because she had already been married before and she wasn't sure if she wanted to do it again. And she liked her freedom. I mean, she was four months pregnant, so yeah. she was going to be kind of... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be stuck with Paul anyway, but they apparently they almost didn't go through with it, but then they did. Wow. Um, and if you guys remember last time, um, John and Yoko got married two days later. Oh, yeah. Very weird. <laughs> That's not appropriate. I know. I know some people who are like, oh, like, 
I can't get engaged yet because my sibling is engaged. So I'm waiting until they get like it's like some people are like so yeah. overly sensitive with that kind of stuff. Like that's crazy. They were not. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way it's a coincidence, right? No. Wait. Because yeah. they did it they did it suddenly too. It was it wasn't planned. It was like a eloping type of thing. Oh my god, read the room. Like <laughs> <laughs> read the room that's really Um, honestly that's kind of embarrassing (laughs) i know i you know it does make you wonder what the heck is going on there they were like so competitive with each other yeah um once they were married paul officially adopted linda's daughter heather oh that's which is really nice i guess mel wasn't in the picture Uh. um sorry mel (laughs) sorry to you mel yeah um Paul and Linda moved up to Paul's farm in Scotland that he had purchased in 1966. He had said, I'd acquired it a few years before. I hadn't been massively keen on it, frankly, but Linda was. She opened my eyes to how beautiful it is. So on the farm, they got just super into farm life. Paul started literally shearing the sheep, taking care of the sheep. Him and Linda became vegetarians and huge advocates for vegetarianism and environmental causes and they were living a really simple life like kind of off the grid you know away from city life Mm -hmm. um and it's nuts to me because he was only 27 wow my age can you imagine just being like i'm done with the city i'm done with i know it feels like he's like retiring all that yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is like it actually does feel very much like he's retiring and he was only 27 wow he's like in the prime of his life still yeah and he's like a stepfather wow yep and then august 28th 1969 their daughter mary mccartney was born um and I was thinking maybe right now we could take a break. Yeah. We'll go to the bathroom, we'll <laughs> fill up our drinks, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. All right, we're back. Okay, 1970, the Beatles album Let It Be came out, and the track, The Two of Us, on there is about Linda, apparently. Two of us riding nowhere, you and me, Sunday driving, not arriving, on our way back home. And Paul said on the lyrics, one of the great things about Linda was while I was driving and going, oh my god, I think I'm lost, she'd simply say, great, she loved getting lost. And Mm. she pointed out to me quite rightly that there was always a sign somewhere saying London, so we'd just follow that. Pretty bold, you know, no GPS back then. Yeah. (laughs) If I was that rich and famous, I would just have a driver. 
Mm. I guess yeah. that's kind of a loss of like autonomy, though. That's true. I think for sure. I mean, maybe out in the country, you like driving around. Yeah. I think for sure, if I lived in the city, I would have a driver. Hundred percent. If I was rich. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why but actually, they're. It? Yeah, they were very low key though. They actually didn't have. Um, a nanny or apparently oh, wow. they didn't have a maid or anything yeah i don't know why i feel like i don't know maybe they had a cleaning lady once in a while but yeah oh I, my gosh i definitely would if i could oh. afford it but oh my god 100 percent. sometimes i even think about getting one now and i cannot afford it because <laughs> you know what i can tidy up as you were saying earlier i yeah. can clean up but i'm not great at like the deep cleaning yeah, the chemicals. Until it's too late. Yeah. I I get really paranoid about, like, using cleaning products and... Yeah, you got me paranoid about that. Yeah, because you know what? I was actually talking about this But for today. a good reason. Yeah, no one told me that you couldn't, mix, like, mix chemicals until, like, way too wait, late in life. Thankfully... Yeah, no one told me either. Yeah. Until need, you. Yeah, they need to teach that in school. Like, I don't know if anyone listening, do you know, like, you cannot mix bleach and ammonia um i know very toxic you cannot mix bleach and vinegar and some of you, you can't listening, no that creates like a <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that like that's a problem i could very easily oh yeah because accidentally i do i didn't know that because i was like vinegar is like kind of natural right like yeah um no you can't Because i often it. use vinegar to clean like the uh shower curtain thing. yeah yeah so. Oh, you can really die. It creates like a really <gasps> dangerous gas. Toxic gas. Oh, yeah. No. It's not safe to breathe in. So this is just our little PSI. Yeah. So if, if you can afford it, which we can't get, but it's good to bring in a professional. I know. Exactly. <laughs> Cleaning is dangerous. Okay. April 10th, 1970, the Beatles officially broke up uh. to the public. Paul publicly announced it, so he was largely blamed for it, but it was actually John that first told the band he was leaving. Yeah. So, it was a little unfair that Paul, for a long time, I mean, we're too young to remember, but people kind of hated Paul because they thought that he broke up the Beatles, but Mm -hmm. it's largely known that it was actually John that quit first. Yeah. There were more legal disputes, the whole thing with the in-laws and... Alan Klein over royalties and creative control and Paul was apparently very depressed about the Beatles breaking up because it was kind of a loss of identity you know who was he if he wasn't a Beatle like he he was Paul the Beatle like who was he now he was drinking a lot and smoking weed a lot which apparently Linda did too but he was still productive despite all this he the same year released his first solo album McCartney which has backing vocals by Linda. And I gotta say, it's such a good album. I I know if any Beatles fans are listening, or like McCartney fans are listening, they'll judge me for this, but I never really listened to it until recently, and it's so good. And a lot of the lyrics are clearly about Linda. I mean, there's a song called Lovely Linda. Mm. And then the song Every Night, I felt like, was about her, kind of. And then, of course, the song... I think everybody knows Maybe I'm Amazed. Maybe I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love 
Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's such a good album. And then, same year, same year as the Beatles breaking up and his first solo album, he starts writing the album Ram with Linda, which is released in 1971 under the name Paul and Linda McCartney. Oh, and that's sweet. Yeah. And Linda contributes mostly to vocals and i really love this album um i love the song uncle albert admiral halsey it's very fun and weird i feel like it's paul kind of doing returning to like yellow submarine uh a day in the life kind of you know like sound effects and i had another look and i had a cup of tea and a butter pie Just being really silly and doing different voices and stuff, and um, the cover, the cover of both McCartney and this cover were shot by Linda, so her pictures, just pretty cool. Later in 1971, the band Wings was formed. This is Paul's new band, his new thing after the Beatles. It was Paul, Linda, and the drummer Denny Saywell, and the ex-guitarist from Moody Blues. Denny Lane, and then later Henry McCullough joined. So this is a new band, Wings, and people were and still are very critical of Linda's involvement in Wings um, because Why? she was very much an am- because yeah I know because she was very much an amateur. She wasn't a great singer. I mean, I think she did well harmonizing. Like a lot of the songs, mm-hmm. like. Even even on McCartney and Ram, like, she's kind of in the background, but, like, it adds a lot to the songs. Um, yeah. But she wasn't a professional singer, and Paul taught her keyboard, but people accused her of only playing, like, a couple notes, and that she wasn't really doing anything. Yeah. And that she, and that she wasn't a musician, and it really did seem like Paul wanted her there and just wanted her to be in the band and wanted to be with her, so... He brought her along, and he always defended her. Like, whenever, like, there's quotes of him saying, like, you know, people say she's only playing one note, but she's playing a moog, and <laughs> uh, what's it called? And it actually takes a lot of skill, and it, yeah. It's kind of funny because it reminds me of um, Taylor Swift randomly including Joe Alwyn in yeah, her music. Yeah, that's so and true. And how people were... <laughs> And I mean, she's like kind of as big as Paul at the time. And uh, it's just like, imagine if Taylor came out with an album with Joe and it wasn't clear what he really brought to the music, but he was, you know, included in the byline. <laughs> wait, <laughs> like, but and he just did some like background vocals and you're just kind of like, wait, why is Joe? Isn't that, in this? am I ignorant? Like, isn't that kind of what happened with Joe Alwyn? Like, randomly being, like he was credited as a writer, but... I mean, maybe he did contribute, like, to the lyrics and stuff, but... Yeah, I think it's, like, the same thing where people were, huh? They're just like, huh? What did what did Linda actually do? Like, yeah. <laughs> it seems like she wouldn't have any musical contributions to somebody independent from Paul. Yes, I think so. But it is kind of sweet. I mean, he mm-hmm. really believed in her. And yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. I think only someone as famous as, like, Paul McCartney or Taylor Swift can do something like that, where mm-hmm. they're just, like, 
join me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though you don't really play any instruments, it's like, just yeah. be in my band. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute, you know? It is cute. It is cute. And, I mean, John did the same thing with Yoko. Oh, yeah, and... he really did. <laughs> she was contributing some, like, really weird-ass stuff, too. So. <laughs> she was. She was. And I think Linda has a fine voice, and her presence is, is very cheery in Wings. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's nice. Um, She's like an emotional support member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no, kind of feel that, that way. I don't know if any... No, she was more than that. Yeah, but. she was. She was. That's like a friendship <laughs> of me. I'm sorry. Every member of the band is important. Yes. So sometime in 1971, Linda apparently wrote a letter to John Lennon, and we don't know what she said exactly, but John's response is out there for whatever reason. I don't know if Paul put it out there. I don't really wow. know, but it was it was actually auctioned off for thousands of dollars. Oh, my God. Um, so you can read John's response to linda but we don't know what linda said to john but when you read john's letter you can kind of guess that linda said something about like she was upset that paul was being blamed for the breakup and that she was also upset that john had said something negative about paul in the press so this is john's letter to linda i thought i would read i was reading your letter and wondering what middle-aged cranky beetle fan wrote it I resisted looking at the last page to find out. I kept thinking, who was it? Queenie, Stuart's mother, Clive Epstein's wife, Alan Williams. What the hell? It's Linda. You really think the press are beneath me slash you? Do you think that? Who do you think we slash you are? The self-indulgent doesn't realize who he's hurting bit. I hope you realize what shit you and the rest of my, quote, <gasps> kind of, kind and unselfish friends said on Yoko and me since we've been together. It might have sometimes been a bit more subtle, or should I say, quote, middle class, but not often. We both, quote, rose above it quite a few times and forgave you too. So it's the least you can do for us, you noble people. Linda, if you don't care for what I say, shut up. Let <gasps> Paul write, or whatever. <laughs> when asked about what I thought originally concerning MBE, etc., I told them as best I can remember. And I do remember squirming a little. Don't you, Paul? Or do you, as I suspect, still believe it all? I'll forgive, I'll forgive Paul for encouraging the Beatles, if he forgives me for the same, for being, quote, honest with me and caring too much, quote, fucking hell, Linda, you're not writing for Beatle book. I'm not ashamed of the Beatles. I did start it all. But some of the shit we t- took to make them so big, I thought we all felt that way in varying degrees, obviously not. Do you really think most of today's art came about because of the Beatles? I don't believe you're that insane. Paul, do you believe that? He's using like a lot of dashes. <laughs> so it's weird. Um, when you stop believing it, you might wake up. Didn't we always say that we were part of the movement, not all of it? Of course we changed the world, but try and follow it through in capital letters. Get off your gold disc and fly. What? Don't give me that Auntie Jin shit in five years I'll look back as this different person. Don't you see that's what's happening now? And if only I knew then what I know now, you seem to have missed the point. Excuse me if I use Beatles space to talk about whatever I want. Obviously, if I, they keep asking Beatle questions, I'll answer them and get as much John and Yoko space as I can. They ask me about Paul and I answer. I know some of it gets personal. 
but whether you believe it or not, I try and answer straight, and the bits they use are obviously the juicy bits. I don't resent your husband. I'm sorry for him. I know the Beatles are quite nice pe- people. I'm one of them. They're also just as big bastards as anyone else. So get off your high horse. By the way, we've had more intelligent interest in our new activities in one year than we had throughout the Beatles era. Finally, about not telling anyone that I left the Beatles, Paul and Klein both spent the day persuading me it was better not to say anything, asking me not to say anything because it would hurt the Beatles. And let's just get the Peter out, remember? So get that into your pretty little perversion of a mind, Mrs. McCartney. The cunts asked me to keep quiet about it. Of course, the money angle is important to all of us, especially after all the petty shit that came from your insane family slash in-laws. And God help you out, Paul. See you to see you in two years. I reckon you'll be out then. In spite of it all, love to you both from us too. P.S. About addressing your letter to just me. Still. And he actually wrote to just Yoko, and then he crossed out Yoko and wrote me. So it seems like he's upset that they weren't, she didn't address the letter to him and Yoko. That's which is odd. odd. Yeah. I know. It's like, is he not his own individual person? <laughs> I wonder I know. if Yoko helped him write the letter. Maybe. It's very, uh, there's a lot of capital letters and a lot of dashes. Very angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it seemed like they were fighting. They're some bad blood. It is interesting. Um, He's like addressing it to Linda, but like it's also to Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Paul helped Linda write it. If she, Maybe. If he knew that she was Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know that, I don't know, that Linda was involved in any kind of fights or tension. So it's just interesting. Um. In 1971, Paul and Linda as a single re- released the song Another Day, which is one of my favorites. It's very day in life. Talks about a girl slipping into stockings, stepping into shoes at the office, drinks another coffee. It's very lyrics like that. And in the lyrics book, Paul said, The person I'm gazing at here just so happens to be a version of Linda living alone in New York before I met her. I like to think that I'm the man of her dreams who shows up. And then, this isn't really related to Linda, but I just liked what he said about this song. He said, Think Eleanor Rigby meets Hitchcock's rear window. For, much as I hate to admit it, there is a bit of a voyeuristic aspect to this song. Like many writers, I'm a bit of a voyeur. If there's a lit window and someone's in it, I will watch them. Hands up, guilty. It's a very natural thing. (laughs) Hands up, guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I relate. (laughs) I'm very curious about people, too. Of course you are. This whole podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) I feel like Paul would understand this podcast. I think he would, too. It's art. Yeah, and he's written a lot of love songs. He's, I would say, like, the most sentimental of the Beatles. I think I think he'd like it. Yeah. Should we get him on the show? <laughs> Paul, that would be a listening. crazy guest. Oh, my. We should try. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say we should try? Yeah. Yeah, let's email his manager or whatever. <laughs> Uh, September 1971. Wow, I can't believe we're still in, like, the early 70s. It moves faster later, though. It's not gonna be, like, this 
slow. Um, their daughter Stella was born. You guys may have heard of her, Stella McCartney, mm-hmm. the fashion designer. Crazy. I actually didn't know that that was their daughter until like a couple years ago. Yeah. So you know, she really made made a name for herself. Yeah, in like a different industry. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, her mom was a photographer, fashion, similar, but... That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, her mom probably knew a lot of magazine people. Yeah, there's a little bit hmm. of nepotism. little nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> but, Stella, you've done great for yourself. Yeah. You know, it's it's... It's good to see someone actually have talent if they're going to be a Nepo baby, you know? Exactly, yeah. I think people just don't like it when they don't have talent. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I was going to say, they're usually still they do, but no, not always. I think people get upset when someone is a Nepo baby and they are famous, but they don't have the talent to support it, you know Yeah, what I mean? exactly. I mean, it's just yes. the hardest thing is to even get in the door, so it's frustrating. You, yeah. I mean, honestly, these days it seems like everybody is a nepotism baby. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Seriously. It is like a royal class or something. Yeah. But there's really no way to regulate that. I mean, you can't fault people for using their connections. That's what people have to yeah. do. Yeah. There is no way to it's regulate that. It's all about that. who you I mean, know. Yeah. I don't want to live in a society that's, like, regulating. Yeah, exactly. You can't say the Stuff people, like, based on your parents, so. Yeah, you can't say the people can't get ahead because they have connections. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Wings went on tour. 1973, Wings released their second album, Red Rose Speedway. Lindo's photo is used as the cover. Then McCullough and Saywell left Wings. Oh. So now the band is just Paul, Linda, and the guitarist denny lane okay mm-hmm. he's not really a third wheel yeah people <laughs> yeah and people were still really critical of linda's involvement in wings but like why do people care who cares <laughs> it's not like hurting the band i know it's like she she was there from the beginning when it was formed it's not like she just like joined it i know like, let them be. December 1973, they released a very successful album, Band on the Run, and Rolling Stone named it Best Album of the Year. Oh, wow. Uh, That's a huge achievement. Yep. It is. Uh, it is a great album. September 12th, 1977, Paul and Linda had their son, James, so now they have four kids. Wow. And, yeah, they're living a very grounded, normal life, mostly on the farm, as I said, they had no nannies or housekeepers even, and the family was living as vegetarians. It's very, very farmy, very country, up in Scotland. That's sweet. December 8th, 1980, <sighs> this is when John Lennon was tragically shot uh. and killed. As we discussed, very in-depth, episode three. Even though, you know, earlier I read that letter from John, around this time, Paul and Linda had really patched up their relationship with John and Yoko, and Paul and John were hanging out again. Oh, that's so sad. Casually playing music again, so... I know. So it is nice that they were on better terms now, but... Yeah. It is so sad. And Linda actually took a picture of Paul um, from her car window, and it shows Paul buying a newspaper. He's kind of, like, hunched over, and 
all around him are all these papers and signs that say John Lennon shot dead. Oh my god, I don't like think I've ever seen him. I haven't seen that photo. It, it's like the day after John died. I oh know. It's, it's very heartbreaking. Another hard time. Um, Wings actually broke up, but Paul kept making music. I think Linda kind of stepped back from it. 1987, Linda's first major photography exhibition happened in Bath, England. She had had shows over the years, but this was a big exhibit at the Royal Photog- Photographic Society, so it was a big achievement for her. In 1987, Paul and Linda were on the Wogan show, and she was asked if she ever felt in Paul's shadow, and I actually have a clip I would like to play. Being married to Paul McCartney, it's, it's very easy to live in the shadow, isn't it? Did you, did you feel a necessity to, to break out? No, I'm not really worried about that living in the shadow. You know, I, I love life and I'll just have a good time. Shadow or no shadow. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you encourage Linda to, to go out and do this stuff? Herself? Yeah. No, it is true, you know, because she's my wife. Some people mm. do look at her and sort of think, oh, it's the only reason people look at her photos is because it's exactly. the wife of the fella. But um, she's a really good photographer. One of the best, I reckon. Well, it seemed like she had already achieved success before she met Paul. Though. Like, didn't you say that she was the first woman to be featured on, what was it, Rolling Stone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was. I know. That's just, that just happens, mm-hmm. you know? In 1989, Linda published the Linda McCartney's Home Cooking. Oh. It was a vegetarian cookbook. It was the biggest selling vegetarian cookbook ever in the UK, and was a bestseller in the States as well. Wow. And by the way, guys, I know I'm skipping over a lot, but this is just, you know, this is one of those big couples. It's it's hard to you can't include cover everything. Yeah. So a lot of things get kind of like consolidated, but I know that there's things being left out. 1991, Linda formed the Linda McCartney Foods, a line of frozen vegetarian meals. And it's still a company to this day. It, oh, wow. It's a frozen food, healthy vegetarian and vegan frozen meals, and it's in supermarkets in the UK, Norway, Ireland, Austria, Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand. But we don't have it in the US, so I actually had never heard of it. But um, I think it's kind of like that brand Amy's, you know? Oh, wow. Wow. She was an entrepreneur. I know. Yeah, I think it's actually, like, quite a popular brand, but we just don't have it here, so... Wow. Frozen I food business. It, I know. I bet if it was here, I would buy it, because I do buy frozen meals sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do not cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the back of the box, the packaging, it has Linda's pictures and signature. Oh, and actually, okay. like, on Google, it seems like a lot of people Google... um. Is Linda McCartney food related to Paul McCartney? Like, oh. some people don't know or they're confused. So, yep, that's the same Linda. But very sadly, in 1995, Linda was diagnosed with breast cancer. Ah. Uh. And she began grueling chemotherapy and surgeries. In 1997, she was still going through treatment and everything. Paul was by her side through everything. Um, Paul released the song Calico Skies, which is supposed to be about Linda. I mean, I think most of his songs around this time are, but in the lyrics, 
he says it was written that i would love you from the moment i opened my eyes in the morning when i first saw you gave me life under calico skies i will hold you for as long as you like i will hold you for the rest of my life and in that lyrics book that you gave me paul said if linda was asked what her sign was she used to say no parking I never paid much attention to astrology, and I think that's because there was endless chatter about star signs in the 60s. For what it's worth, I'm a Gemini. Um, But then he went on to say that the song was kind of about, like, fate, and that it was written in the stars, that he was destined to be with Linda. Um, I just thought that shows, like, how she's kind of funny and chill girl. Like, Yeah. What's your sign? No parking. parking. That's cute. (laughs) I want to say that next time someone asks me. (laughs) But for what it's What's worth, I'm a Gemini. Yeah. And then 1998 in Tucson, Arizona, April 17th, Linda sadly died of breast cancer at the age of 56. Uh, Same thing that Paul's mother had died from. Oh my gosh, that's tragic. So I know. young. Wait, so Arizona, that's, that's, what are, what were they doing there? Did they live in Arizona? Did you say that? Well, she went to school there, and I think okay. she just really liked it there, so yeah. they had returned there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. I know. And, and the, the couple, kids, were the kids pretty young? Heather was 36, Mary was 27, Stella was 26, and James was only 21. Oh, that's awful. I know. Um, and Paul and Linda had been horseback riding together only days before, But the cancer had spread to her liver, and the end came rather quickly, actually. Mm. Oh, that's awful. And this is kind of controversial, but Paul has said that he knew that she only had about a week or days to live before her death, but that he decided not to tell her. (gasps) And he said, I didn't think she'd want to know. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I was thinking a lot about this, though. I mean, I think that she clearly knew she was dying. I think the per like a person knows. Yeah, and she right? had stage yeah. four cancer, so it's not yeah. like she, she didn't. It's not that she didn't know she had cancer. She knew she had cancer. She knew where it had spread and everything. She just didn't know the doctor said it might be like this week or anything. But I do think you know sometimes at the end of someone's life, it's not really the time to be completely honest or to be real or to be harsh yeah and i mean this is just my opinion i I know this is very controversial but i do think that the mind and body are very connected and that like if she knew she was gonna die that week she might completely lose hope and you know might have actually lost a few days or so so yeah i mean it's a very tough very tough call that is really tough. Yeah. I understand that, though, not wanting the person their last few days to be wrought with fear and sadness. Yeah. Like, the fact that they were able to go horseback riding and to still live with yeah. hope of tomorrow, I think it makes it a lot less scary. Mm-hmm. Ugh, and that's she definitely knew. I mean, it's not like she had no idea she had cancer or anything. Yeah. And I think, like you said, so. the mind and body are connected. That It's like you might not need to tell somebody that them to know that's true like you don't know you don't know what that feels like to be in that position true uh but that is a tough situation though because i could see the other side of it being like yeah um i don't know i mean 
I, I think ultimately, like, I don't know if I would do, I don't know what I would do. That's a really hard situation. But, like, I guess someone might be able to, like, if they had some type of regret or if there was something that they really wanted to do, call somebody up, like, to give them that chance. But obviously she she knew she was going to pass away. So. Yeah. When I, think I first sh- read yeah. that, I, like, almost didn't believe it because I did think it was bad. I was like, oh, man, I feel like you should tell somebody. But... I started reading a bunch of people's stories and it kind of convinced me that maybe it's not so bad to keep it from someone because, yeah, it does give them a little hope and... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so I mean, maybe maybe though. the person themselves is hoping that it won't actually happen. And they yeah, in denial. Tell, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's very tough. It's interesting that doctors would tell him but not tell I know. her. And I was reading all these people's stories um, talking about this, and it seems like it is a common thing. I don't know why or how. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Paul said his last words to Linda were, You're up on your beautiful Appaloosa stallion. It's a fine spring day. We're riding through the woods. The bluebells are all out, and the sky is a clear blue. I had barely got to the end of the sentence when she closed her eyes and gently slipped away. Our family is so close that her passing left a huge hole in our lives. We will never get over it, but I think we will come to accept it. Total heartbreak. Oh, my gosh. I know. Life is so full of suffering. <sighs> it's awful. It is. I mean, it's beautiful and awful, like, that you can love so deeply that it's just... I can't imagine how emotional that must have been. I know. Uh, Linda was cremated in Tucson, but her ashes were taken back to England where Paul spread them on their family farm. Um, a memorial service was held at St. Martin in Fields in London with friends and family in attendance, including George Harrison, Ringo Starr, Billy Joel, mm. Elton John, David Gilmore, and Peter Gabriel among a congregation of 700 people. And during the service, Paul spoke and said, after she died, I was thinking of her and I thought of her like a diamond, a big orange diamond. And if you looked at all the facets of the diamond, as with every facet you looked at, she was greater. But, and he said that he couldn't believe that his wife of nearly 30 years was dead, but I have to because it's true. Mm. And then the Brodsky Quartet played eight songs that he wrote for his wife, including the lovely Linda in Calico Skies, and a single pipe player played Mull of Kintyre, which was kind of inspired by their Scotland farm, um, and was a Wings song. And then apparently everybody there sang Let It Be, oh, which I feel like I would just start bawling, like oh 700 people singing Let It Be. I <laughs> I could cry about it right now. Oh my gosh, I have chills <gasps> right now. That's such a beautiful song, though, to play. Because, I mean, even how he said, like, I can't believe it, but I have to believe it. It's like, I mean, that really is, like, with Let It Be, like, yeah, there's nothing you can do. Like, it's beyond your control. <sighs> so after, um, after her death, along with eight other British composers, he created a choral album, A Garland for Linda, which was a classical album. Um, dedicated to her and then he also really sweetly compiled linda's solo songs and released the album wild prairie by linda mccartney and it includes 13 original songs by linda most never heard by the public before oh wow what a tribute to her 
I know. And it's it's nice because, you know, a lot of times people were saying, like, she's not a musician. And then he published this album that's just her. So yeah. It was nice. Paul has said that during their 30-year relationship, they only spent 11 nights apart. Wow. I know. That's incredible. I, I know. And... Most of those were actually against their will because he got arrested in uh, Tokyo for having marijuana. So oh we had to go God. to jail for like 10 days. So What? So, so 10 of those? <laughs> he was in jail? That doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, wow. So that's cute that I he know. like... You, I wonder what the other day was. I know. Wow. I don't know. Try, my parents have been married over a little... A little bit more than 30 years. I wonder how many nights they've spent apart. I, I had to guess. Maybe like 50? Hmm. Sick. It's pretty low I don't know. Still. Yeah, I guess that is pretty low. But for a celebrity, <laughs> it's not like my I parents know. are, you know, traveling all the time independently. Yeah. They just did everything together. Wow. There have been many exhibits since her death of Linda's photography um, which is really nice. And Paul told BBC Radio, I think I cried for about a year on and mm. off. You expect to see them walk in, this person you love, yeah. because you're so used to them. I cried a lot. It was almost embarrassing, except it seemed the only thing to do. Yeah. And then in September 1998, he did an interview with Jules Holland. And about Linda, he said, As a wife, Linda was the best that anyone could ever want. I always thought of her as my girlfriend. I still do, really. And even though we kind of spent years... We spent years together, our relationship never really altered much. We grew to know more about each other, but it was just sort of girlfriend and boyfriend. Oh, that's so sweet. It is. He's, he has said a similar thing like that, like, many times. That mm. it just kind of felt like they were boyfriend and girlfriend the whole time. That's so cute. Um, yeah. I mean, he has said... And others have said that their relationship wasn't perfect. Yeah. I mean, we, we shouldn't think that they had this, like, literally perfect, idyllic I think, yeah, marriage. I feel like that's so easy to do when one person dies prematurely, too. Like, yeah. it's just so easy to look back and romanticize it as, like, you know, what could have mm-hmm. been. People even do that with, like a couple like jfk jr and carolyn Bassett, and it's like they actually had a really raw marriage but yes yeah they did fight um i and some things i don't know if they're true or not Mm -hmm. but like some you know paul was a controlling person i i love him (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i get that that's kind of his like fatal flaw is he has a lot of ideas of how things should be and he can be a bit of a control freak Mm -hmm. um and I do think, like, in Wings, there were sometimes fights. Sometimes, I, I apparently, I don't know if this is true, but uh, even about her music abilities. Oh. Um, but it was his idea, I think, for her to be in Wings. So it's not that their relationship was completely perfect, but I do think that they were the loves of each other's lives. Yeah. And that they really influenced each other. I mean, Paul went very nature farmy and i i do think that's an influence of linda um and then i think he influenced her too you know to tap into her musical side and they have beautiful family and i i do love them as a couple and 
it is sad, but I do think she was love of his life. And that lyrics book, I mean, spoiler, I'm going to get to it in a second, but he has had two wives after. Yeah. And he talked about Linda probably like 75% of the time. Like he mentioned Linda so often. Wow. Is he currently Um, married? He is. So Mm. after, well, he did, I was going to say before I get into the other relationships that he, in 2000, donated two million dollars to research cancer research facilities in tucson and new york where linda had received treatment Mm -hmm. and they're made on the condition that no animal would be used for testing purposes oh that's sweet so that's nice i mean two million yeah really honoring her Um, her legacy and her wishes too with that that's yeah so also in 2000, though, he started dating and later married the model Heather Mills. Mm. She, I didn't know that. I mean, sh- guys, we're American. Like, we don't know all the same celebrities. But I didn't know that she was an amputee, actually, that oh. she had lost her leg below the knee in a traffic collision. But that she had continued modeling with a prosthetic. But um, his kids were very against his relationship with Heather. And it caused a lot, because I think she was a lot younger, mm. and it caused a lot of strife in the family. His son, James, stopped stopped talking to him altogether. That's really tough. Um, I know. And they were married in 2002. They had a kid together, Beatrice, but then they separated in 2006 and then divorced in 2008. And the relationship did just seem like a mess. There was, like, a lot of drama in the press. Mm. And she wanted 250 million pounds from the divorce. Wow. But she got to 50 million. Um, it was just, it, it was very That's well, a pretty uh, good trashy. settlement, though. That's, wow. <laughs> it was, yeah. 50 million. I know. And it was, it was just weird. Like, Paul had never really been in headlines like that. Mm. And I think it was kind of strange for people. And it's just sad. I don't know. But... Yeah, but then he did remarry again in 2007. He started dating Nancy Cheval. Um, I hope I said that right. Um, she was a businesswoman. She's actually the cousin of Barbara Walters. Oh. Um, yeah, they married in 2011. They actually got married in the same town hall where him and Linda married. Oh, which is wow. Interesting. I that would be a little like weird. I don't know. I know. <laughs> I don't Not know. sure I how mean, I feel about that. Maybe he feels like it's good luck, or I, don't I could know. see I could see getting married in like the same church. To be honest with you, but like I don't know the same yeah, town hall. Like that's like less sentimental. It's not yeah, like it's like, like oh, why, this is the town hall I grew up one? going to. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think <laughs> that would really trigger a lot of memories. I know. And if I was his wife, I'd be like, want a new town hall. Yeah, people are always surprising you on this show, doing wacky things. I know. Um, but him and Nancy seem good, you know. They, it seems like a nice relationship. That's so. good. Yeah. Do they have children? Mm. Is she a little, is she like no. more age, closer in age she's, to him? She's 63. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a lot closer in age. Yeah. She already had a kid, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still 20 years older. But. Yeah. <laughs> when you're that age, it's, you know. Yeah. Not a relative. That's really the story of Paul and Linda. I mean, there's a lot more to explore if you want to read more about them, but that's Paul and Linda. Wow. It is sad. But, like, I was say- I don't think I said this on the podcast, but 
as sad as it is, it's like for her story, she, I mean, I wish that she could have lived longer, but she died, you know, still in love with her husband and her husband in love Mm -hmm. with her. Like it is really so hard to be the spouse that goes on, you know, after that. It is. It seems like it was very, very hard for Paul. And yeah. It almost seems like he rushed into his next marriage. And mm. It's very hard to be the one left behind. Yeah. I could see that oh. being hard for the kids, too. I know. And him and his son and the rest of the kids, they've patched things up. That's so. good. Yeah. Yeah. So, since this is our 50th episode... Mm, let's I talk. wanted to read through our names, our name ideas that could have been, that almost were. <laughs> A tale of two people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're jumping ahead. <laughs> I have the spreadsheet. But yes, one of them was A Tale of Two People. <laughs> we almost did that. <laughs> that one we were like, huh. I kind of like it. Like, we we really, that one came close. Nobody else really felt it, though. I felt like we were the Beatles, you know, just meeting up and, like, just shouting out ideas. Mm-hmm. You and I, like, a couple days, we just were together just saying ideas out loud. You know what? This was, like, before ChatGBT. I wonder what names, like, if we asked it to come up with names, what it could have given us. I know. Okay, I'm going to read them. One of them was Relationship Rewind. That was one of my, that was my suggestion. Yeah, That was a good one. Yeah. I'm not sure what my problem was with that. I was like stuck on, I don't know why, I thought it was like too technology. Yeah, you, you thought it was a little too <laughs> 90s. Like too, yeah. it's not, it does date it kind of. Mm. Like if we did podcast, like a episode about someone a little bit more historical, like, you know, before technology. That's true. Like a... I ha- Albert yeah. Einstein doesn't really. Yeah. But whatever. Dating history. Mm-hmm. And relationship history. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. You know, when someone says, like, you know, which, what's their relationship history? What's their dating history? Yeah. You know, a little play yeah. on words. Archive of the heart. Archive of the heart. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't a little bit contrived. Oh, then significant lovers. Mm-hmm. Significant lovers. I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but we this one was our favorite as soon as we came up with it. But we mm-hmm. saw that there was another podcast called Significant Others that was pretty similar. I don't know if I should say You can cut this yep. out if I... But it was pretty similar in concept, but they hadn't been doing any... Like, they hadn't had a new episode in, like, a couple years. Yeah. And we were like, oh, we can't do that name. It's too similar. It's too similar. And then we ended up messaging them on instagram to say we're thinking about doing this name but you know we want to get your blessing we want to know like if you're still active (laughs) they didn't respond so then we were like okay like they didn't respond let's use the name and then as soon as we decided on it they responded and they were like actually we would prefer for you not to and it's kind of a difficult situation because we don't really need their permission like it is a different name and it is like common phrase as well um yeah so, oh, uh, tricky. But but now, up, but now yeah. there's a new podcast called Significant Others. Exactly. So, which is the same exact name. Yeah. So. I don't feel bad anymore. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Significant. Because someone else yeah. came out with the same exact name. And Lovers is technically different. It is different. Yeah. It's a play on words, whereas mm-hmm. the other one is just the phrase itself. 
And there's yeah. so many like true crime podcasts and everything. I think mm. we're you know pretty distinct enough. So another yeah. one was uh, a play on our old podcast, Another Bite of Twilight. Mm-hmm. If anyone from that audience is here. Thanks for joining. Um, but it was yes. called Another Love in Hindsight, which I was kind yeah. of proud of this idea. Part of me, <laughs> I, I don't think it stands alone, though. Like, I think you'd have to be a fan of the old podcast to yes. kind of get it. Another Love in Hindsight. I know it did mm-hmm. work out as a great rhyme. Like, it sounds the same, but mm-hmm. I did think it would be a bit weird for people who didn't know another bite of twilight they might be like what yeah, <laughs> I exactly i feel like that w- and because why another yeah. <laughs> i guess I each f- episode is another love i don't know it could have worked yeah i feel like the old podcast would have had to have been a little bit bigger <laughs> <laughs> then we had a history of love and then love history and mm-hmm. love history 101 <laughs> <laughs> kind of simple yeah there's nothing wrong with them. I think we just thought they weren't, like, exciting enough. Mm-hmm. Relationship retrograde? That sounds a little <laughs> bit too hippie. Yeah. I don't know. Retrograde. And then bygone babes. <laughs> this one we were laughing hysterically <laughs> over. Bygone babes. <laughs> this yeah. is when we were a little bit too deep in the uh, thesaurus <laughs> looking up synonyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not our best idea, but it was, like, the funniest. I love an alliteration. And then speaking of honey history, like honey. Yeah. A little vague. Mm -hmm. Someone might think it's a podcast about honey. Yeah. Beekeeping. (laughs) I could see that being confusing. Our separate ways. Mm. I feel like, am I correct? My sister Caitlin really liked this one. I thought Shannon came up with it. You're right. Shannon liked this one. Caitlin liked X's and Bows. Bows. X's and Bows. She loved that one. Yeah. We <laughs> thought Sorry, that, Caitlin. or I thought that one was a, just a little bit too, like, heteronormative. Because, like, Bow. Yeah. Or not, I mean, I guess an X could be anybody, but I thought Bow was, like, that kind of means a boyfriend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I liked it, but just to me, nothing compared to Significant Lovers, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then we had, oh, our separate ways, Love Legends, Famous yeah. Flings, Old Flames. Old Flames, I really liked yeah. this one, but wasn't there a firefighter podcast called Old yes. Flames? Yeah. <laughs> there was. <laughs> and we didn't love the word old being one of our you know, one of two words, one of them That's old. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Tale of Two People, as we said. Mm-hmm. People didn't love that one. No. We loved we, it. Yeah. Didn't we make a poll that we sent to people? Like yeah, a survey? Told <laughs> our friends and family. Yeah, yeah, that one didn't get the response we expected. <laughs> Over and done with. But the thing is, we don't cover just broken up couples. That's true. Oh, yeah. Another one, Love No More. <laughs> Who came up with that Some one? Some of them are really negative. I know. Heart failures. <laughs> That's a good play on words, heart failures. That is. The next one is so boring. Famous couples. <laughs> <laughs> Was that actually an idea? 
<laughs> just that's famous what it couples. is. Famous couples. I mean, honestly, the cliff helped with like SEO. Famous couples yeah, podcast. True. That's what it is. That's true. <laughs> Ended love. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, that's kind of limiting. Little vintage myth. love. I like it. I like it, but they're not all vintage, and I do think that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, does, like, last year count as vintage? Because <laughs> sometimes we do stuff from last year. Love timelines. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is past what it loves. Is. Past loves. I liked past loves a lot, but I think that that was also taken by another podcast. Yeah, same with past lovers. Or no, not past lovers wasn't, but too similar. Too similar, yeah. Yeah. Strangers to lovers. <laughs> I like that, actually. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah. At one point. Legendary loves. Do we ever say that? I feel like oh, we did. said love legends. Oh, like, just yeah. switching the words around. <laughs> yes. We, I feel mm. like when we were brainstorming, we would literally like repeat the same idea that we had. <laughs> as if it was new. Yeah, we're like, what about vintage love? Yeah. We already said that. Yeah. Because you'll see down the line, it says vintage Valentine's. A nice alliteration. The yes. thing about Valentine is that's our family name. Yes. So. It would have been nice to use that. Yeah. Heart history. I think I might have come up with that. Mm. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, then this was our real runner up that we almost went with. Mm-hmm. We almost did The Night They Met. Yes. A play- Another version of that was When They Met. <laughs> yeah. I like, I really like it. Like, I think it's, it's yeah, not like it super too. obvious what it's about, but it's like, it feels a little poetic in a way. Yeah. And it was kind of a play on the Lord Huron song, The Night We Met, mm-hmm. which is a tragically beautiful song. But when we surveyed people, they were all really hung up on the fact that the episode wasn't just about the night they met. Yeah. And what if they didn't meet at night? That but was that's another problem. But then again, those literal. people taking it too literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people don't get sarcasm nowadays. Like, no. come on. <laughs> it's not literal. It's just a idea. It's like every episode that... They obviously met at some point, and then the yeah. story evolves from there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But eh, I see what people were saying. I like the one that we picked. I think significant lovers, like, that's what it is. These are lovers who are significant. Yep. And significant others, and it just it works. Mm-hmm. I love it. I used to kind of cringe at the word lovers, but now I don't. It's a beautiful word. (laughs) Lover. Do you cringe at the phrase make love? A little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I was just in Michigan. Mm. And I was singing that song. Mm -hmm. I was in northern Michigan. I went to the UP to anybody listening from there. I had a great time. But the whole time I was singing the All Summer Long by Kid Rock. (laughs) But every time I get to that part where he's like, Making love out by the lake to our favorite song. song. Yeah, it kind of makes me cringe. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like people never really use it in, like, a serious context. Yeah. Very hippie, very 60s. 
yeah it was weird because i was just with my friend so it would be like we were trying different things <laughs> we were smoking, smoking funny, funny things. things and then we get to the making love part making like, love. <laughs> <laughs> no we're not doing that this week <laughs> making love <laughs> yeah that was the theme song though well thank you mel so much for accompanying me on this paul and linda episode Thank you for leading it. Now, can you give us a little teaser, a little hint yeah. at what our next episode on Patreon is going to be about? Yes. So next week's episode is going to be about a couple from the 2010s, mm. a tall British guy. <gasps> we love an them. An American girl with very big eyes. <gasps> Wow. I think I have some ideas. All right. Tall British guy, American girl, big eyes. (laughs) Think about it. One one of these days I want to do prizes for the first person to guess it. (sighs) Me too. That is my dream. Mm -hmm. That's my dream. Mm -hmm. And everybody that's supporting the podcast, thank you so much. You know, I do hope this podcast grows to the point where we can give out prizes. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe we can even find a way to retroactively give out some prizes. Yeah. Um, And yeah, just thank you so much. And everyone that listens, we love you. We love you. And we'll get back together next week. Is your heart filled with pain? Shall I come back again? Tell